Welcome to the NBA 2010 series. This is episode one. We're going to be breaking down all things 2010s, looking back at the first decade of hoops that I was able to fully watch and enjoy and witness. It was just a great era of NBA basketball. We're going to be reminiscing, looking back at some of the best teams, some of the best players, some of the best moments. The list goes on and on. And today we're going to be talking about the top 10 players of the era. And we're going to start at number 10. We're going to make our way up to number one. And I'm going to give you guys basically a breakdown of each player on the list, why I have them ranked, uh, where I have them ranked, both via their stats, via the eye test, and just their accolades as well. Just looking at the greatness that we were able to see, counting our way all the way up into number one, and then also talking about which year I believe to be their peak season. So without further ado, Let's get it started at number 10, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis spent this decade playing for the New Orleans Pelicans franchise. They weren't always the Pelicans. At one point, they were the New Orleans Hornets, but still the same franchise. He was drafted and basically played his entire time in this decade for this team. And over the course of the decade, he was a six-time All-Star, two-time first-team All-NBA. He was a one-time first-team All-Defensive team member three-time blocks leader. He averaged about three blocks a game uh, in those seasons where he led the league in blocks. So over the course of the decade, he averaged 23 points, 10 and a half rebounds, and two block shots. And as I said before, he was drafted in 2012. And these are his prime years, a lot of them, where he played uh, during these decades. Some players are kind of at the back end of their career during this decade. So we didn't get to see they're full prime. There's a lot of prime years to Anthony Davis that we got to see throughout this decade. And AD's profile, he's basically an elite two-way big man that has very unique skill set. He has guard-like skills. He can hit a jumper in the mid-range. He can hit the fadeaway and occasionally even hit a three uh, from the outside. He has some great post skills as well. Just a very complete big man and kind of a trend that we'll see moving into the 2020s decade, which we've already started to see of big men having a very versatile skill set and playing a lot like guards. AD was one of those top guys, one of those first guys to really do it in this decade. So individually, we saw his skill set and we saw it in the postseason as well. He was a great playoff performer, but he was only able to make the postseason twice uh, due to his situation with the New Orleans Pelicans, the fact that they really didn't give him enough support on a multitude of levels, whether it be the supporting cast, whether it be just the front office, the coaching, everything like that. It just wasn't up to par for AD to be successful in terms of team success deep in the playoffs. But individually, and when we were able to see him in the playoffs, he did show up. He did perform. The furthest he made it in the playoffs with the New Orleans Pelicans was the second round. So, I mean, it's it, that's solid. They swept the Portland Trailblazers in the first round despite being the sixth seed when Portland was the three seed. Uh, but they then ran into the Golden State Warriors, and they really couldn't do anything with those guys. His peak season, Anthony Davis, is definitely 2018. That was the year where he was in the conversation for the Defensive Player of the Year, first team All-NBA, and he was just flat-out dominant on both ends of the floor. So that's the number 10 spot. At number nine, we have Dwight Howard. And a lot of people forget that Dwight Howard really had some great years within the 2010s decade. A lot of people look at Dwight as a 2000s type of guy because he did make the finals with the Orlando Magic in 2009. He had some really good years. Drafted in 2004, number one overall. So he spent a lot of years 
in that 2000s decade, but in the 2010s, he was still going strong. He made the all-star team five times throughout this decade. He was three-time first-team All-NBA. He was a three-time first-team All-Defense, three-time rebound champ, two-time defensive player of the year, one-time blocks leader. He averaged about three blocks a game in that year where he led the league in blocks, 17 and 12, 17 points, 12 rebounds, were his averages across the decade. And he did that on 59% shooting from the field, two blocks per game. And he did still make the Eastern Conference Finals. So the Magic were still getting some winning uh, going on when he made the Eastern Conference Finals as the best player and losing to the Celtics Super Team in the 2010 season. He also made the Western Conference Finals when he was on the Houston Rockets in 2015. And that team lost to the eventual champion Golden State Warriors. And while Dwight Howard really wasn't the feature player on that team, that was James Harden, some we're going to get to later, he still averaged 14 points and 14 rebounds in that series, despite being past his prime. So he was still a productive, impactful player. A lot of people say Dwight fell off, uh, but he still had a lot of really, really good years in the 2010s decade. And he really didn't start to fully fall off until the end of the decade. And in that transition period, he became – he went from being basically the best center in basketball for multiple consecutive years to a complimentary role player by the end of the decade. But like I said before, still a high-end star for nearly half the decade. And when we look at his profile in terms of what type of player he was on the court, similar to Anthony Davis, he was an elite two-way big man. And he was the best defender, hands down, in the league for multiple years throughout the decade. And he impacted winning despite not having won a championship up to this point in his career. Obviously, we know he was able to win one in 2020 with the Los Angeles Lakers. And he, he had a pretty big role in that championship, even though coming off the bench. But that was the beginning of the transition within the 2010s decade. But unlike Anthony Davis, I'll say Dwight didn't have the versatile offensive skill set uh, that AD had in terms of being able to shoot the ball from the outside. But Inside, he was a force. I would say he was better on the defensive side of the ball. His accolades were just better uh, throughout this decade. So I'm going to give Dwight the nod over Anthony Davis, even though it's pretty close. And then the peak season for Dwight Howard was his 2011 run, where he he just was masterful on the defensive end of the floor, winning Defensive Player of the Year. He actually finished second in defense, or excuse me, the MVP voting this season, right behind Derrick Rose. So. He was definitely a great player, one of the best players in the league at this time. So Dwight comes in at the number nine spot. The number eight spot, it may be a little bit controversial, but you got to realize this man did most of his work in the 2000s decade. I have Kobe being Bryant, and Kobe is a legend. He's an icon, one of my favorite players to watch growing up. Even though I wasn't exactly a Kobe fan, I was a LeBron guy, but Kobe was just so fun to watch. He was very entertaining, very skilled, very complete. But in the 2010s decade, he only had a handful of like really great years where he was still in his prime. Like the back end of the 2010s decade, he just wasn't the same player that we were grown accustomed to watching. Remember, Kobe was winning championships 2000, 2001, 2002, 2009. Like he won four championships within the 2000s decade. So you got to give him props for that. Seven-time All-Star throughout this decade, although you could argue the last three were more celebratory. 
honoring Kobe's legacy rather than his actual production because if you look at his production, it definitely was affected by his age and his injuries, and those numbers weren't necessarily all-star caliber numbers near the end of his career. He made the first-team All-NBA four times, very impressive, two-time first-team All-Defense, one-time NBA champion, and one-time Finals MVP. He averaged 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists across the decade. He beat the Boston Celtics Super Team four games to three in the NBA Finals, averaging 29 points per game that series. And like I said before, the only reason he ranks so low is a lack of longevity throughout the decade, as the majority of his prime, again, was spent in the 2000s. But he did have the claim of being the best shooting guard in basketball for multiple years. He was a lethal shot creator and a guard defender with underrated playmaking and rebounding ability. He also was a proven winner, a closer, and a clutch performer. And a lot of these guys on this list did not win championships, especially at this point in the list. So the fact that Kobe Bryant did win a championship, the fact that Kobe Bryant did win a finals MVP, and he still had some decent longevity, at least through the first half of the decade, he had comparable longevity to guys like Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. So I'm going to give him the nod over those two guys at number eight on my list. Moving on to number seven on the list, we have Russell Westbrook. Oh, and by the way, Kobe Bryant's peak season was 2010, uh, the year, like I said, where he won the finals MVP. He won the championship. But Russell Westbrook was an eight-time All-Star, two-time first-team All-NBA. Russell Westbrook won an MVP award in which he averaged a triple-double for the first time, the first time it was done since Oscar Robertson, and then he followed that up with averaging a triple-double the back-to-back years after that. So three straight seasons averaging a triple-double. He was a one-time Western Conference champion with a Thunder in 2012, two-time scoring leader, three-time assist leader. He averaged 24 points a game, seven rebounds, and nine assists across the decade. And impressively enough, he made the playoffs every year during the decade, making the finals in 2012 alongside Kevin Durant. Lost the eventual champions in the 2014 Western Conference Finals, blowing a 3-1 lead to the 73-win Warriors team in 2016 in the Western Conference Finals. And then when KD left in 2016, it kind of went downhill in terms of the winning aspect. He was still able to make the playoffs, but he wasn't able to make it out the first round. A lot due to his questionable decision-making and inefficiency, despite putting up his big numbers. Because obviously the year he won the MVP, you could say the squad wasn't good enough, but then they came back and they brought in Paul George. They brought in some other guys and, he had enough talent to to make a run, and they just weren't able to get it done. So that may be something where we look back at Russell Westbrook's career, and you say he did play with a lot of help. He did have a lot of help and still no championship. Definitely something that you could hold against him. But overall, his longevity throughout the decade was extremely impressive. His triple-double numbers were historic, and his MVP caliber season at his peak justifies his spot to me. Arguably the most athletic point guard to ever play the game, and will forever be known as Mr. Triple-Double. So I'm going to put him over Kobe on this list in terms of just the 2010s decade because of the longevity throughout the decade, and he still did some at least regular season winning and put up some ridiculous statistical counting numbers. So I'm going to give that up to Russell Westbrook here at the number seven spot, and his peak season was when he won the MVP in 2017. Moving on, number six, we got Chris Paul. Chris Paul, a seven-time All-Star, three-time first-team All-NBA, six-time first-team All-Defense, 
four-time steals leader, two-time assist leader. He averaged 18 points per game, 10 assists, and two steals across the decade. Made the playoffs every year of the decade besides his 2010 season, which was cut short. He played just 45 games that year. A high-level playoff performer, but his teams fell short a lot of times, mainly due to uncontrollable circumstances because they had a lot of injuries to himself or his teammates. He blew a 3-1 lead to the Rockets in 2015, blew a 3-2 lead to a stacked Golden State Warriors super team in which he got injured in the game six, knocking him out for the rest of the series. Who really knows what would have happened if Chris Paul would have been able to stay healthy and play for the rest of that series. I still believe Golden State would have won personally, but who knows? You may never know. Uh, And Chris Paul was arguably the best passer in basketball throughout this decade, the best point guard defender in the league, and had a lethal mid-range game. Few could control the flow of the game like Chris Paul, and few could match his longevity. I would argue that his winning intangibles and his tangibles, you know, put him over a guy like Russell Westbrook. Look at his basketball IQ, his decision-making, his jump shot, his defense, and his ability to make the game easier for his teammates. So I'm going to give Russell Westbrook the slight uh, knock in terms of comparing him to Chris Paul. Chris Paul gets the edge to me, and he's going to be at the number six spot. And I would say Clippers Chris Paul is the best version of Chris Paul, although you can make a case uh, that that he's had a lot of great versions because he's played for so long. But doing what he does is really, really impressive. So he's going to be at the number six spot. At number five, we got James Harden. Top five now. James Harden is seven-time All-Star, five-time first-team All-NBA. He won the MVP award. He also won sixth man of the year, which is very weird because he came in kind of as a bench player trying to make a name for himself on a really good team. Then he was traded to the Houston Rockets and became this MVP type player. So very rare that you'll see someone win six man of the year and the MVP, but Harden did that. A two-time scoring leader, a one-time assist leader, and he made the Western Conference Championship with obviously Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant with the Thunder. Averaged 24, 5, and 6 over the decade, made the playoffs every year, and he underperformed, I will say, with the Oklahoma City Thunder when they made the finals in 2012. Even though he was in a limited six-man role, he still underperformed in that series. He led the Houston Rockets to the Western Conference Finals in 2015 and 2018. Uh, But his 2018 run was a very tough task uh, in terms of playing against that stacked Golden State Warriors squad. And that KD Warriors team never faced the type of adversity that they faced against that Houston Rockets team that had them down 3-2 to two and pushing that team ultimately to a Game 7. Even though James Harden came up a little bit small down the stretch of that series, you still got to give Harden credit for how they pushed Golden State and made them a bit uncomfortable. So he's one of the greatest regular season performers and scorers of the decade, and, and honestly, you could say all time. He averaged 36 points per game the most points per game by any player throughout the decade in one season. And he didn't even win the MVP that season because Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, took that to another level. But the big knock on James Harden is that he often comes up short in the big playoff games, as I highlighted a little bit before. He's had some suspect, inefficient playoff shooting performances. He has been prone to high turnovers, and he shoulders the bulk of the responsibility for his team. You know, on the offensive end of the floor, he's a dual threat bucket generator, scoring and playmaking with the ball in his hands the majority of the time. 
And a lot of times that has come back to bite his teams if he's missing shots, if he's turning the ball over, and if he's just dribbling ISO and not really getting anybody else involved in the offense just is kind of becomes a little bit too predictable at times but he has a lethal signature step back jumper and he's the best in the league at drawing fouls to get to the free throw line and my argument for him over chris paul is that i believe he peaked higher than cp3 during the decade he reached a scoring volume that chris paul couldn't consistently replicate while creating similar advantages as a playmaker for others so that's why he gets the edge over chris paul to me at number four, we have Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard's a three-time All-Star. Oh, by the way, James Harden peaked uh, when he won the MVP, in my opinion, in the 2018 series. That's also season, excuse me. That's also the year where he took the Golden State Warriors to Game Seven. Number four is Kawhi Leonard and his resume: three-time All-Star, two-time First-Team All-NBA, three-time First-Team All-Defense, a two-time champion two-time finals MVP, and a two-time defensive player of the year. And Kawhi Leonard averaged 18 points a game, six rebounds, and two steals across a decade. Really came into the scene in the 2014 finals. And that finals, he went from being a complimentary star to the top performer for the NBA champion San Antonio Spurs, averaging 18 points a game, 61% shooting from the field, 58% from three, while playing some very great defense on LeBron James. And he had a phenomenal run in the 2017 playoffs before getting undercut by Zaza Pachulia. He got injured when, when Zaza tried to go under his legs to close out on a jump shot. And it led to him ultimately leaving the San Antonio Spurs after what he believed to be injury mismanagement from the organization. So he got traded to the Toronto Raptors. And he led the Toronto Raptors to their first and only championship his first year there. And he averaged 30-plus points per game in two series during that run, averaged 28.5 points with 10 rebounds in the finals versus a banged-up Golden State team. They had a lot of injuries that year. But nonetheless, Kawhi Leonard showed up and showed out and brought the Raptors their first and only championship. No secret that Kawhi was in very fortunate situations and circumstances uh, playing for the greatest coach ever and RE Dynastic San Antonio Spurs team. And also the Raptors team. They're extremely deep and talented. But Kawhi was the clear driving force of their championship. The Raptors won. And they had had some years in the past where it's been disappointing because DeMar DeRozan, who was their star at the time, had underperformed in the postseason. Kyle Lowry had had some rough playoff runs as well. But Kawhi took them over the hump. So you got to give him credit for that. He was the best two-way player in basketball for multiple years. And his defense at one point was far better than his offense, but his offense over the years really caught up. So we really got to see the complete evolution of Kawhi's game over the course of this decade. And his length, basketball IQ, his strength, his versatility, and his discipline allowed him to lock up and contain some of the best offensive players in the league, making him a lethal threat. He was the best perimeter defender for multiple years in the NBA. And over the decade, a wild stat about Kawhi, he actually committed less fouls than he had steals, which is remarkable. It shows you his timing and it shows you his instincts and in not picking up careless fouls. And while Harden was a better offensive weapon and had better longevity throughout the decade and he was a better regular season player. 
I'm going to say because Kawhi Leonard elevated his game in the playoffs when Harden became less reliable in the postseason, I'm going to give that edge to Kawhi Leonard. I believe his peak season was 2017, although his most impressive accomplishment was what he did with the Toronto Raptors in the 2019 run. You notice that he only made the All-Star team three times, and, and some of his accolades seemed like they weren't that great. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he was load managing a lot, which basically means sitting out of games. And he had some injuries that he faced. So, And at one point, he was a role player too. So the variety of factors there make it so that his overall accolades and resume isn't as great as it could have been in those aspects. But then he got the defensive player of the years. He's got the all-defensive teams. He's got the championships, the finals, MVPs. So it more than makes up for it, but that's why I have Kawhi Leonard at the number four spot. At number three, we have Kevin Durant. And the top three here is where you get the elite of the elite, the best of the best here. These guys just take it up a notch. And KD made the all-star team 10 times over the course of the decade, six-time first-team All-NBA. He was a one-time champion, or excuse me, a two-time champion, one-time MVP two-time finals MVP, and he won the scoring title four times, averaged 28, 7, and 4 over the decade on 50% shooting from the field, 38% from three, and 88.5% from the free throw line. Very efficient across the board. He led OKC Thunder to the Western Conference Championship in 2012. As a driving force of that team, he lost to the Miami Heat Super Team in the finals, although he played phenomenally well in that series. Made the playoffs every year of the decade. And when you look at his profile, this is the greatest scorer of the decade. A seven-footer with guard-like skills. He could score from anywhere on the floor on very high efficiency. Longevity throughout the decade. Making the all-star team every year throughout the decade. Extremely impressive. He did struggle with his three-point shot in multiple playoff series, particularly with the OKC Thunder in the 2016 playoffs, in which they blew a 3-1 lead, infamously to the Golden State Warriors the Western Conference Finals. But that ended up being the year where he decided basically he couldn't win in OKC anymore. He ended up going to Golden State and winning back-to-back championships, the team that beat them in the Western Conference Finals. And KD was particularly dominant as a scorer in those finals. He had some big-time clutch threes to seal game threes of the NBA Finals in back-to-back years. And Going up against LeBron James in the 2017 NBA Finals, he averaged 35 points per game. That was his first championship and first Finals MVP. He did that on 56% shooting from the field, 47% from three, 93% from the free throw line. And his resume and just the eye test, everything brought together, it completely blows out everybody else below him out of the water. And when picking a prime season, I actually went with the 2017 Warriors because of what he did in the playoffs, what he did in the finals, and, and just the overall basketball mastery that he presented at that size. Just It was ridiculous to see. So that's going to be number three for me. But at number two, I have Wardell Stephen Curry, the greatest shooter the game has ever seen. He was a six-time All-Star, three-time first-team All-NBA, a two-time MVP, and the only unanimous MVP in NBA history, three-time champion and one-time scoring leader. He averaged 23.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 7 assists 
across a decade. He shot a ridiculous 44% from three and 91% from the free throw line over the course of the decade. 58 effective field goal percentage, which is ridiculously impressive. He won five straight Western Conference championships. He was the undisputed best player on the champion Warriors team in 2015, averaging 26, 5, and 6. But they didn't give him the finals MVP award, which is still shocking and ridiculous to this day. And he's basically dominated. Or I'm not even going to say dominated, but he's played very well in every single championship in which the Golden State Warriors won. But his infamous moment came when he blew a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals to the Cleveland Cavaliers after leading the Warriors to 73 wins, after being the unanimous MVP of the league. Curry and the rest of the squad underperformed significantly in this series, especially when they after they got up 3-1. And they played so incredibly well in the previous series against KD and the OKC Thunder, so it was very disappointing to see that. Uh, not really work out for them in the next series. And then Golden State obviously took KD from the Thunder and then became virtually unbeatable. When you look at what Curry brings to the table, he's the greatest shooter to ever play the game. He changed the entire game throughout the decade, making it more perimeter-oriented with teams shooting more threes, making that a necessary part of every player's game. He was a centerpiece of the greatest team dynasty of the decade. And... When we look at him in comparison to KD, despite KD having more longevity, being the better scorer, and winning both of the finals MVPs when they played together, I'm going to give Curry the edge because I believe his playmaking, his overall impact on offense was greater because of how his gravity made him just as much of a threat with the basketball as without the basketball in his hands. And he could shoot it from literally anywhere on the floor. One of the best handles for any player in the decade, too. He peaked higher than Kevin Durant. He was able to win without Kevin Durant. And it was the main reason why KD ended up in Golden State to win his rings by beating him, which created the unselfish, fun, revolutionary brand of basketball that KD was attracted to and wanted to play with. So that's why I have Steph the number two spot. His peak season was the Animus MVP season in 2016. And that sets us up for number one on the list, which is none other than LeBron James. And it's not really that close. LeBron made the All-Star team every year of the decade, 10-time All-Star, nine-time first-team All-NBA. He also did it on defense, four-time first-team All-Defense, three-time MVP, three-time champion, three-time Finals MVP, 27-8-8 across the decade statistically. And then this is the staggering feat right here, eight straight Eastern Conference championships. Just think about that for a second. The majority of the decade LeBron spent in the NBA Finals. Made the playoffs every year during the decade besides the 2019 season in which he and ever, like a lot of key players on that roster, got season-altering injuries. Took his talents to South Beach during this decade to form a super team in Miami after losing to the Celtics super team in 2010 and feeling like he needed more than what he was getting from the Cavs. Had that epic infamous meltdown in the 2011 finals but he came back with back-to-back championships in the next two seasons 2013 was the absolute peak of his powers he was a two-way threat finishing second in defensive player of the year voting shooting over 40 percent from three winning the mvp winning the championship and winning the finals mvp that's about as complete of a player as you can have 
He then went back to Cleveland in 2015, put up 35 a game in the finals versus the Golden State Warriors without Kyrie and Kevin Love, who were injured. And the next season, the Cavs came back from down 3-1 to beat a much-improved Warriors team with a unanimous MVP. They also had the Defensive Player of the Year on that team and the best 3 and D player in the league. That was their core right there. A ridiculously stacked team that LeBron beat and brought a championship home to Cleveland, the first and only championship for the Cavs. We know, again, by now the story, the Warriors added KD to that core, and they beat the Cavs in five the next year, despite LeBron averaging a 34-point triple-double. Kyrie left the team after that, and then the season after, LeBron still brings the Cavs back to the finals in the greatest carry job of his career, 34 points, eight rebounds, eight assists in every series in the playoffs that year. More than that, at least. At least that bare minimum, those were his stats. So over the course of the decade, LeBron had the greatest longevity. He had the highest peak. He was the best regular season performer. He was the best playoff performer. He's the most versatile player, the most clutch player, the most accomplished player, and thus by far the best player during the 2010s decade. So I appreciate y'all for tuning in. I think LeBron's peak, although it can be debated heavily, I'm going to say 2013 LeBron James just because of all those things we listed although 2018 was the greatest carry job and he's had so many versions of LeBron over the course of that decade you could choose from. But I hope you guys appreciated that list ranking the top 10 players of the decade. LeBron, Curry, KD, Kawhi, Harden, top five, six through 10, CP3, Russell Westbrook, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis. That's it for this episode. Next one coming up soon. Hope you guys enjoy. Peace.